cliffcentral.com. Good morning. It is a Thursday and it is seven o'clock, which means it's time for the burning platform with me and Pumi Mashiko and with you. And this morning we are hoping to bring you a couple of people who have some pretty strident opinions on what's going on. Um, there's of course big talk of a EFF protest march on Monday, which, um, people are getting all up in arms about. Pumi says, nah, it's not worth worrying about. I hope she's right. I hope she's right. I hope we uh, don't all uh, end up playing to the tune of Julius Malema, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, this morning on the Burning Platform, we're going to have a little bit later Herman Mashaba, who's, of course, the president of Action SA, former mayor of Johannesburg. Um, apparently, Ryan is trying to get hold of him at the moment, but um, he promised us he'd be able to join us today. What I am pleased about is that the Director of Community Safety at Action Society, they are not Action SA, uh, who helps victims of violent crime who do not have the financial means to get legal counsel. His name is Ian Cameron. He joins us again. Uh, he's on the line. Hey, Ian, how are you? How's it, Gareth? Well, and you? Hi, Pumi. It's good to Hello. see you. Hello. Yeah, it's nice to see you, dude. And uh, congratulations on the book since we last spoke. Uh, we will not shut up. And um, how's it going? How's, how's that been received? Um, it was received quite well. It, it's a very short book. Uh, my wife doesn't like it, but I keep calling it a pamphlet. Um, it's uh, it's very short. The idea was basically just to summarize, you know, the, the crime situation in South Africa and where it all started. Um, I think, you know, it's it's important that we, we're not naive about the current situation with regards to violent crime in South Africa. And what I basically did there is that I took mm-hmm. each commissioner over the past 20 years and showed how political interference slowly caused this cancer to spread in in criminal in the criminal justice system in the broader sense throughout the country and um and yeah it was received quite well obviously uh, certain mainstream uh, entities weren't too interested in uh, um in selling it but uh, but generally it was received very very well so you self published the book which is very brave um, and, and, and actually it takes a lot from a person who is not a publisher. But I, when I read the book, I wish you'd spoken more about solutions. You spend a little bit of time saying what we can do about it. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the work you guys do and how ordinary people like me can also be part of the fight against crime? Yeah, for sure. So, um, it, it was, like, the, yeah, long story, uh, uh, but let me get straight to the solution. So we actually, and I can use yesterday as an example, you know, we spent time in parts of the Cape Flats yesterday and today I'm actually heading to Atlantis. And, um, and you know, all of these areas are, are plagued by, by very, very serious violence. I mean, a place like Heinz Park in the Cape Flats, I think they had eight or nine shooting incidents this past weekend, um, of which yeah. one, a, a little boy of 10 years old was, was shot and killed. Um, so it, it really is hectic. So what, what we basically do from our side is that as soon as we see a specific incident, especially where children are involved, we reach out to the family or if a victim survived and the victim is old enough to speak for him or herself, we speak with them and, and we see if they want to give us a mandate to oversee the match. Now, there's no cost involved or anything. We've got other donors. And what we then do, we follow up the whole investigation. We make sure that everything runs, you know, according to the way it should. Nothing falls through the cracks. And then when we get to the, um, to the prosecution process, 
that's when it, it really gets important because we hear about all the arrests being made. You know, we often hear that um, X amount of arrests were made in a certain quarter and the police minister speaks about hundreds of thousands of arrests every year. But it doesn't mean anything if there's no conviction, if there's no decent sentencing. And that's where our job comes in. And and, it, and for me, it's, it's been going well. And that's where people like you can, can get involved, not only literally supporting in court, going with victims, just being there for them um, yeah. with the Action Society model, but actually contributing to us putting those investigators and ex-prosecutors into place that goes with the victim and goes through the entire court process with them, making sure that um, that they're not intimidated by the system because it is very intimidating. You know, Ian, what I love about what you do, and Pumi often talks about this, so she's, you know, you and she are kind of of the same cloth, um, is that ordinary people need to take control of this situation. Um, ordinary people need to stand up for themselves, need to get involved in local politics, need to get involved in local uh, order, uh, society. Um, we're all on WhatsApp groups, right? I mean, everybody's on a WhatsApp group or seven um, and a lot of the time it just turns into a long bitching session between this neighbor who doesn't like a stop street and the other one who does and, you know, stupid stuff. But what you do is you get invo- involved in the unglamorous part of this. I mean, there's nothing exciting about going to court. It's a horrible thing. As you say, it's scary for a lot of people. It's very intimidating. Um, nobody wants to be uh, facing the, 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 the person who's done something horrible to them, whether it's a, you know, a violent rape or a, or a, an attempted murder or theft or whatever. And if you have someone else holding your hand, someone from the community holding your hand, it can make everything a lot better. Plus, of course, it puts pressure on the criminal justice system, which has been anything but perfect. I mean, this is what you talk about quite often. Um, and thank God you are. But I think Pums, I mean, we really often talk about people on the show who are doing things. And Ian's one of those people getting out there and getting his hands dirty. It's not fun. Sure. And I, I, I think I'm, I did. I, I, I really enjoyed reading through also because it's important to understand how we got here. <laughs> how did we get to this place so that you can identify the areas going forward that, that we kind of need to be more vigilant about as society, as civil society, more vigilant about when it comes to how our community safety is. You know, I, I mean, we often talk about the fact that growing up in the township, growing up in Soweto particularly, we, we used to have what was called street committees, right? Because we couldn't back then trust the system or trust the police. So we all had to be each other's keeper. You know, the community was a very important part to keeping the community safe. You know, so that's no, ab- ab- absolutely. And you, and you know, for me, Gareth, something I, I heard yesterday. So there's this lady, um, that we met with yesterday in, in, uh, in a discussion and they've got serious problems with the, with the police station that's been basically captured by, by gangsters. It, it, it's come to the point where if a gangster is arrested after a, a shooting incident or anything like that, you are guaranteed within 24 hours he or she is back out on the street. And, um, yesterday when I was speaking to her, she says, well, for the past three or four years, we've been fighting to get a, you know, a, a, a foot in the door, um, to, to have a seat at the police station where we can assist victims in making sure that they get the service that they need. 
And it's taken three or four years, but they're actually managing. Soon they will have one day a week where they have a space to sit in the charge office and they can help. Now, some people might say, oh, but it's not meant to be that way. But if we're not going to take ownership, nothing's going to change. It's like with the EFF march. I know we're still going to chat about that. But, you know, stuff the EFF. They can't just come here and dictate to us. I don't know why people are scared of them. Nothing they've done so far succeeded. They're this fear-monger group of speakers, but that's where it stops. They speak. They talk a lot. They cause chaos um, by speaking, and and then people get scared. And and I love this approach by this lady yesterday because then a colleague of mine said to her, yeah, but at least then you have a foot in the door. She says, you don't understand. I've got both my legs in already. Um, she says, we, we here to stay. I mean, you know, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere and I'm staying right here. So regardless of what happens, and I love that, you know, that's what makes us different to what I read about Venezuela or what happened in Zimbabwe. Um, there's this resilience that I pick up, especially in poorer communities where they just say, Hey, we've gone through bad things. If we have to go through them again, we're going to be resilient. We're going to find a solution, but we're certainly not going to flee. So here's something that's been on my mind quite a lot when it's uh, when it comes to community activism, particularly um, in the face of crime. Criminals are not always strangers, you know. So the the perpetrators of mm. these crimes are often people in our communities. It's someone's son. It's someone's brother. It's someone's husband, um, and then. On a bigger scale in South Africa, when we talk about corruption and then we still celebrate people like a mamkize, you know, we're still like excited to see the things that they do, follow them on social media. How does the community, the communities that you work in deal with loved ones who are the perpetrators of these crimes? So, so it's, it's very challenging, um, because in some cases we see that they don't speak because they're intimidated at home. We actually have a case now where we had a guy arrested. It was a long story. The case went on for quite a bit where a, an, a reason, let's say an elderly man, uh, raped his, his neighbor's daughter and, um, and it's his neighbor. So, so they saw each other every day and, and she was in fear and they are dirt, dirt, dirt poor. And, um, and we got involved with the case. And, and at the moment, the wife of the perpetrator is fighting with the neighbors, um, because they're angry that her husband got sent to jail, but he, he committed this heinous crime. So that's the one part of it where you kind of, you, you don't openly admit that it happened. And even if you know, um, you kind of hide behind the fact that maybe, the husband is the is the one that provides for the family, or maybe he's the patriarch, and therefore, you know, and 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 that's the mindset in in many parts or many communities that that we work in. And unfortunately, then you know, you've got a brave woman that steps up, does speak out, she does come forward, mm-hmm. and then you know, we we very often see that um, that they are then intimidated. I must say, for me, in most cases, I'm I'm very very impressed. And, and pleasantly surprised by the way uh, many women and, and then children, boys and girls alike, are actually speaking up and fearlessly doing so. It seems that it's on the increase. We, we see at court that they fearlessly say, and they often say this to us out of their own, that they're not just going to stand there and wait to be uh, become victims. 
or, or allow someone else to become a victim. And I love this. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a mindset change where people say, but we are got this, especially is that often we see that the community don't speak up because they've kind of accepted that it's a certain way of doing. But I love the fact that many younger people are saying, wait a minute, this isn't the way it's meant to be. I shouldn't be treated this way. And I like this. I like the fact that they're speaking about boundaries, having boundaries, knowing that if I'm a child, someone shouldn't be doing this or that to me. And um, yeah. and, and, and that Im- impresses me. But unfortunately, like with sexual offences, the large majority of sexual offences are committed in a space, an environment that is known to you. It's very often committed by family or friends. And uh, and we've seen with the majority of child murder cases that we are overseeing at the moment that the perpetrators were known to the families. And, um, you know, you would, you would kind of think that that's a safe space, but the horrific part of it is that these child murders are so brutal and often includes mutilation and other bad things. Um, so it's not just... It's it's terrible to say that we're classifying between a normal murder and an abnormal murder, but it's not your normal South African murder. Um, what a war- horrible thing to say out loud! But um, you know, it's 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 really come to a point where where it's it's very serious and it is increasing so much. I can't tell you just the last mm-hmm. six months how many more murder cases where children are the victims are we getting to oversee. It is absolutely horrendous. Sure. Ian, um, a lot of people are talking about this EFF protest. Let's get this out of the way. They're talking about a national shutdown on Monday, the 20th of March. You already said you're not intimidated, not intimidated by them. You, you think that they're all bark and no bite. Um, for some people, though, it's not so much that the EFF themselves are dangerous, but that if they were dangerous, the police would be able to do nothing about it, Right. Um, and this is the problem. And you, you talk about the police. We talked about some national commissioners earlier. I heard the police commissioner on the news yesterday saying, oh, no, no, don't worry. We've got plans. Uh, we will be out there on the streets. We will stop any um, any bad behavior by the EFF. And I kind of found myself going, oh, really? Like, like you've stopped anybody from doing anything terrible before? Like you've put anyone in jail? Like the Zondo Commission wasn't just a, a show trial uh, where nobody was actually sent to jail, there are no people in, poli- in in prison uniforms. I mean, I just don't really take anything that any police commissioner says seriously. And and the minister of police is a is a, a like a pantomime dame. I mean, it, who even knows what you can take seriously anymore? I mean, it, it, these people—it's like they're play acting. They, they don't really mean it. They don't. They don't actually have the ability to do this. Our police are a joke and a laughing stock, and it and it makes me sad to say that because in any society you need the police. Otherwise, who do you go to when things go horribly wrong? Yeah, you know, Gareth, there's no simple answer for this because you know yesterday uh, and actually today, uh, let's say the last few days, I met with several police members that work in call them specialized units for lack of a better word, but they were placed in units without getting the training for those units, but their hearts are in the right place. They want to work. They do do good work. 
But they all tell you, and I've got several good friends in the police that will tell you that they made this arrest and after that they were either intimidated or they were transferred to a, a less busy station or a station where they couldn't be confronted by, for example, organized crime, gangsterism, etc. So the senior influence in the South African police service in terms of corruption is absolutely massive. So there's a good reason. I'm going to come to the EFF now. There's very good reason for what you said. I must compliment you about your your uh, s- saying that Minister Becky Taylor is a is a pantomime dame. I think that's the best description I've heard in a very very long time. Um, and um, uh, uh, you know, it 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 really has to come to the point where you can't trust, especially senior police members. Let me give you an example. In the Overberg district in uh, in the Western Cape, there's a general uh, called uh, uh, General Major General Mushalogi. Uh, now, Moshologi came into the police in 2011. Um, she was straight appointed as a brigadier with a national diploma in public relations. Um, mm-hmm. not, not many years after that, she became a, the visible police commander for the entire Free State province without any practical police experience. Not, not even firearm competency. Zero. Nothing. She failed mm-hmm. all of her executive development learning programs. And guess what? Last year, October, she gets promoted to Major General from Brigadier, and she becomes the Overberg District Command, an operational position, not even an administrative position. And um, so we make this public, and um, I speak about it all over, and guess what? She opens a, a criminal injuria case against me for, <laughs> for telling people what her qualifications are. And, you know, the sad no, no. thing is that her, her own cops laugh at her. They say, are you are you?" Are you nuts? Why, why are you making this, this case against him? So, all um, right, hold on, Ian, because what I want to do quickly is bring on uh, Herman Mashaba, who, of course, is the leader of and president of Action SA, the former mayor of Johannesburg. Hello, Herman. How are you? Good morning, and my deepest apology. I was held no up by the, ANC, by the SABC without giving me notice. Uh, <laughs> we were supposed to finish at 7, and then all of a sudden, this is heaven. Please hold on. We're going on to the news, and we're off they went. So I, well, I mean, you, I'm really deeply apologize. It's not a problem at all. So, Herman, before we even talk to you, I want to play you a clip from Julius yesterday and then have your response to that. And then Ian's also got some things to say about the EFF. So take a look at this first. I don't know why we really are being asked about Herman Mashab. Because Herman Mashaba is a clown of note, like, it's just a matter of time, man. It's a, those are irritations that come with democracy. Bohemian. I mean, his political party's ideology is what? You know, so I, I have no time for Herman. Herman is like, these are the loud noises that are... What will Herman do, for instance? Because when Herman speaks, you must ask him. But they're saying the shutdown is going on. What are you going to do when? What, what will he do, Herman? There's nothing he can do. Nothing. Nothing. So Herman just said he will never tell us anything. He won't do anything. 
All right. Well, I mean, there he is uh, barking again. Uh, we don't know whether he's got a bite, but uh, Herman, your response to this, uh, what do you say when Julius says you're a clown? Well, I think I'm, I'm happy to really be the clown that's busy, obviously, uh, disrupting uh, the nonsense that has happened uh, over the last 28 years. It's not going to be politics as usual, where we are governed by people who've never really produced anything in their lives. The only thing that they know is to really go out and insult uh, people and uh, cause havoc in our country. Just imagine, uh, to colleagues, and fellow South Africans, someone who says um, he's uh, having this shutdown because um, people are unemployed. But at the same time, you're calling for businesses to close. Uh, you're asking uh, school children not to go to school. What kind of logic is this? In a country where in 1996 a constitution was passed where protest are enshrined as a part and parcel of uh, what South Africans are entitled to do. But you cannot really force it on other people. And uh, it is barbaric. We don't really live in a stone age uh, where other people don't have rights. We don't live in a, in a dictatorial environment. So I think Malema is used to that kind of uh, politics where they believe um, whatever they say, people must jump. It is not longer the, the, the case. We are going to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. If they come out with with um, with uh, plans that are not acceptable, we are not. Uh, I remember two, two, three weeks ago, they sent me a letter asking Action SA to, uh, to join their, their march in the shutdown. Actually, after when I looked at it five minutes later, I said, this one does not even deserve to receive uh, the response. So I never even responded to it. All right. But, you know, you have worked with them before in, in the city of Johannesburg and all the rest. Uh, I mean, when, when they, these are the former coalition partners or whatever, when they start talking about you in public like this, I mean, it's what Pumi and I were discussing a little bit earlier. There seems to be no collegiality, and it seems to all be about personality politics. Uh, do you believe that the EFF's protest on Monday is going to disrupt things? And and what will you be doing on Monday? I mean, are you going to, like Julius says, what's Herman going to do? Are you just going to carry on business as usual? I am going to carry on as business as usual. I don't really support their their their, their protest because it's got an element of uh, violence in it. I would not want uh, to really get involved in in violence. When I live in a democratic environment, I have a constitutional obligation to ensure that I respect the rights of uh, law-abiding South Africans. So I will not really get involved in chaos uh, and, and cohesion because what Malema and, and, and his people are promoting, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's anarchy. So I don't want to really be part of anarchy. So my life is going to carry on as, as usual. And I'm disappointed, uh, in President Cyril Ramaphosa. I wrote an open letter to him that he's really failing this country. This is the time when President Cyril Ramaphosa should have come out every day to assure South Africans of their safety to say those who want to go to school, those, in fact, not those, actually uh, school children must be forced to go to school because uh, to, Monday is not a public holiday. They cannot be stopped by, 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 by Malema that uh, do not go to school. And, and schools and uh, teachers who do, who do not come to work, they will face consequences. 
But Malema and his EFF, they can carry on as long as they respect the others. Businesses uh, to open and assure them of our law enforcement agencies to do what is right. The man but, is gone. I don't understand why the president said, I hold him accountable well, for this. Of course, of course. I'm not surprised that he hasn't spoken to us. He never speaks to us uh, anymore. It seems like, you know, he's never addressed a, a whole bunch of things that we keep asking ourselves. Is there anyone in charge? Uh, Ian, what are your comments about, first of all, what Julius had to say there, mostly about Herman, but also about what Herman's just said. We were talking about how we can't, we can't actually trust the law enforcement people to do their job because they're not competent in so many places. That's where we were at in the discussion when you joined us, Herman. What do you say? Ian? Even if, uh, um, morning, Herman. Um, even morning, if the, e- even if the EFF, um, oh, sorry, even if the police, were competent, they don't have the resources to do what they need to do. It's it it would be physically impossible for them to to handle a situation like the July 2021 riots. In fact, they're worse off now than they are then. Remember, just as a small example, before I get to the EFF, the police in in South Africa used to do their maintenance competency shoots once a year. Then they didn't have enough ammunition. It became once every two years. Then they didn't have enough ammo again. Now it's once every five years. So it's something basic like that that they don't even fulfill properly. Now, in terms of the EFF, look, in terms of the comments that they made, uh, if the EFF says that about you, you know you're on the right track. So um, if if the EFF are, 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 are trying to criticize you or get under your skin, you know you're on the right track. Then you've already, you've already hit them hard. So I always, uh, you know, when I get attacked by people from the EFF, when I called them terrorists yesterday, on social media, then I know I've struck a nerve, and I know I've said I've said the right thing. Then I know it's it. Uh, I can I can take a, a position of let's call it the high ground, um, and uh, and look, we we all know that Mr. Malema is not a man of integrity. We we know who the people are that he surrounds himself with, um, how he behaves himself, how he treats other people, the way that he speaks to other people. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, with that, um, if he says the things that he said, um, he's, he's actually just telling us who and what he really is. In terms of, of Monday, I'm not worried about the EFF. I'm worried about other elements that abuse the situation to commit crime. And that's where it becomes dangerous. That's where you've got opportunists, um, that that jump on, you know, one tire burning becomes twenty tires burning, and then you've got people start, you know, that start looting shops or something else, and that's when it becomes a bit more dangerous. And this is where I say, and I and I say it very openly and publicly, communities like we saw in July 2021, and I don't think it's going to have nearly the same kind of impact. But just as just for example's sake, must <laughs> organise themselves because a well organised community within the legal framework uh, deters political violence as well as, as as criminal elements. And I think that's very important. Pumi, sorry, you dropped off for a second there, but I think you're back on now, Pums. Uh, now, now you're on mute for some reason. Uh, just, uh, I know Pumi's got lots to talk about here. She dropped off for a sec. I don't know what the hell's going on in the studio. All right, Herman, just quickly, someone here says, uh, Peter says, sorry, Herman, there are no consequences in this country, especially for politicians. I think that's true. That's how a lot of people feel. Well, I think uh, there's nothing further to than that. Uh, if you look at uh, 
um, a big percentage of um, of ANC people in in, in parliament. Uh, if you look at our parliament, it's a crime scene. Uh, uh, people who've been uh, committing crime for almost twenty nine years are uh, supposed to really be long in in, in jail. So that's where it starts. Uh, look at uh, what happened in the Zondo Commission. Look at what happened in July uh, twenty twenty one in 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 KZN and pa- some parts of Houting. No consequences up to today. No consequences uh, with the president who deals in, uh, in, in, in in foreign currency, likes US dollars but is happy to associate uh, with the uh, Russians. He doesn't want the Russian rubies. Uh, he likes uh, the uh, US dollars and he likes them in cash. Uh, brings in such a lot of money in his house. When you go into his house, you are not sure when you are sitting on a chair whether you're sitting on a real proper chair or you're sitting in, on, top of do- uh, in, on top of dollars. These are serious uh, uh, cases, no consequences. So so I think when you live in a society like this, I really hope and I pray that uh, the sooner 2024 can come uh, out uh, so that uh, we are mobilizing South Africans to democratically remove uh, this criminal enterprise called ANC so that we can put the right people in in, in our law enforcement agencies. I think uh, South Africa has lost... uh, Good policemen and women, intelligent officers, because obviously refusing to be part of this criminal enterprise. So we are talking to them as Section SA to prepare themselves. Come 2024, ANC is not going to be in government in this country. They will try their best uh, to go into a coalition with the EFF. We're working hard uh, to wake people up so that we go out and vote because... uh, uh, 19, the, the 2024 elections are going to be a watershed for this country because we will have uh, ANC government post-2024. South Africa is gone. All right. Can well, you I'm hear me now? Me. Yes, we got you loud and clear. Oh, fantastic. Me. It's sabotage Sorry. out here in the studio. But <laughs> I, I think this is a good place to, to jump in because speaking of 2024, the conversation that we're having, and Herman, you're alluding to it, that there is possibly a coalition uh, negotiation happening between the ANC and the EFF. And you have a coalition partnership with the DA. But this week in Swade, the DA have let you down very badly in that coalition. Can you trust them as coalition partners going into 2024? Uh, Pum, it's unfortunate and it scares the hell out of me. DA has let me down so many times. I left uh, my comfortable business in 2016 uh, to be their mayoral candidate. At the time, I did not even know what uh, the mayor does. But I was determined to work with them to remove the the, the ANC. And uh, three years later, I was shocked. I'm still shocked. That it's going to, I don't think I'll ever recover from such betrayal when uh, a DA uh, started having sacred meetings with the ANC facilitated by the IRR to remove me uh, as a mayor. And that coalition wasn't put together by me. The, the support of the EFF uh, was sought by the DA, not by me. That's why when I learned about uh, the secret meetings, which Helen has uh, now confirmed, because all along they were, they were denying what I was saying, but fortunate enough, uh, Helen made a mistake last year uh, with SABC to accept it. And now look at uh, what has happened uh, with the, um, with our coalition. Uh, arrangements uh, uh, since uh, the 2021 local government elections. But then tell me, Pum, what options do we have? We really hope and I pray that uh, 
uh, DA can come to their senses. Their association with ANC, they think ANC of Sarah Ramaphosa is better. Does the DA expect um, um, that they can change Sarah Ramaphosa from not dealing in, in US dollars? How are they going? So, because for you, for them to go into a coalition with the, with the ANC, that means that they've got to protect the Sarah Ramaphosa for, from accountability. Just on, I don't have to talk about many things, just on the Palapala matter. Are they prepared to, to, uh, to conceal them? Are they prepared to get the white voters to vote for the DA so that ANC can pursue discriminatory laws? So I, I'm, I'm really, I want someone to pay for the leader of the, of, of the DA. So on the subject of coalitions, I mean, apparently Bongani Baloy, who I met um, last year for the first time and who, who really is, is quite an impressive guy on his own. He's, you know, he's been part of the Action SA for a while now. You and he have had a major falling out. He says that's because he wants to have a coalition with some people you don't like. I'm, I'm not sure what your position on this is. What, why is there fallout between you and Bongani Baloy, who was your, uh, your, your party head for Gauteng effectively? Uh, you know, Bongani, I think, uh, is a good guy. I've got lots of respect for him. He's a young man with lots of potential. But when he came into Action SA, uh, he knew my position and I'm unapologetic about this. I joined politics. I left my business to do this brutal work so that we can democratically re- remove the ANC. And for him to try and really convince us, push us uh, to form a stable coalition with a criminal enterprise, unfortunately, if he believes uh, that uh, we don't listen, uh, we are we are dictators. To be honest with you, if I'm a dictator because I refuse to, uh, to do a deal with the ANC, I'm happy with my dictatorial approach to refuse to be in uh, to be involved and associated with criminal enterprises I want to ask this question you know and and Tuane has been a, an a fascinating uh, thing to watch you know the council meetings what's what's happened there with the coalition has been fascinating to watch but also then the issue of we hear your disagreement with Bongane because you don't want a coalition with the ANC and we respect that. But, you know, you often talk about wanting people to vote with their conscience. So do you think that Nkosazana Zuma was right in not uh, voting with the rest of the party in parliament about Cyril and Palapala? Do you agree with her stance and do you think that was a principled vote? I think, uh, uh, let, let me give you the context because obviously, uh, it's, it's important to really understand this. If you look at Action SA, you, uh, please look at our constitution. We allow our councillors uh, to vote with their conscience. But it's important for them when they have an issue to raise it at caucus because we want when we go to council, we must go there knowing how we're going to be voting. But you can't be in caucus uh, with us. We agree on a particular report, whether we approve or we disapprove. And we all agree. We issue a statement. Let society know how we're going to vote. 
And then you end up voting otherwise and you tell us it's, it's conscience. I mean, please, uh, that's a reason why I'm sure you're aware you, you saw in the me- media yesterday. We are, we are lying charges against the, the NC for, for offering two million rents bribe to one of our counselors. So but is how that do you know? call this conscience? But how do you know that it is not their conscience that they are voting on so much so that you are, and now there's a, Call coming in here, <laughs> so much so that you 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 know you want to put them through lie detectors. Why is it that when other people vote against their party, they voted with their conscience, and when your people vote against you, they are not voting with their conscience? How do you how do you ascribe that? Well, but tell me when uh, if if you as South Africans are prepared uh, to live in an environment where we normalize corruption and bribery. Here, you, that's the reason why today one of our councillors is going to the police to go and lay a charge of being uh, offered a two million rents bribe. That's a, those are issues that you, we are facing. So I think as South Africans, please take things in, in a proper context. It is, it's a bribery conscience when you agree with your party, this is how we're going to be voting. In the meantime, people are being offered uh, bribes. And you expect what, us as proof, what proof did you have that they were offered bribes when you decided that you are putting these seven councillors through light detector tests? What proof did you have, and why why not yeah. let the police be the ones that do that? You you are but, essentially uh, their I, constitutional right of having their vote as their secret and voting with their conscience. You who are asking us to believe that you can lead this country according to our constitution are willing to break the constitutional rights of people within your party. Please, uh, please read our constitution, including our electoral act regarding uh, secret uh, ballot, secret voting. It does make sure provision to ensure that uh, people are not really using conscious, I mean, bribery as a means of, uh, of, of talking about uh, consciousness. So I think what Your I'm saying to you. Your constitution can't be against the constitution of the country. Your constitution cannot be different from the constitution of the country. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm talking about the constitution of the Republic of South Africa, including our electoral act, that the parties must ensure that uh, uh, we, we must cut against the people being bribed. So what you are saying, as a party, we must be aware of uh, of our people being uh, being bribed, but we let it uh, happen and close our eyes because obviously it's a secret uh, ballot. And when someone has agreed with us in caucus, we agreed. And what is important as society, we have to, when we go into caucus, we, Everyone is uh, is uh, uh, is permitted to ventilate uh, their their objections or their approval of a particular subject. But you cannot obviously agree with your with your caucus. You agree with your party to issue a statement that this is our position. And then when you're going to cancel, because it's a secret ballot, you've been offered money, you vote uh, 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 differently, and you tell us it's, it's conscious. I don't think, honestly, South Africans are so fools to, to really understand that, because corruption is a, it's a huge problem in this country. Go with our team today, you're in the media. Go with our guys and, and go and listen to, to our, to our counselor who's going to be laying a criminal charge against the ANC for bribery. So I think the question I'm asking, which you haven't responded to, 
is what proof did you have that there was bribery and why not take that proof to the police, but rather put these councillors in your own process, which violates their constitutional right to have their vote as a secret? I'm That's not my sure question. How to, I'm not sure how I must explain this. At 10 o'clock okay. this morning, the council is okay. going to the police. So I don't know uh, to what language I must use. It's not even action and say this. It's the councillor who's been offered a bribe. He's laying a criminal charge against the NC for, for bribery. So what, do, what more can I then... No, I hear you. Gareth, we can't hear you, or I can't hear you. Uh, sorry, there we are. Would you guys really mind, you know, um, uh, uh, when I accepted uh, the, 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 this interview, uh, I'm sure you're aware, it's publicized open, uh, uh, widely. I'm, I'm addressing a breakfast session at uh, 7.30 in Central. Oh, I know that. Right. People have I, paid I, for no. that, so right. I think you, I'm going to be rude. Uh, so would no, you no, no, mind? Love to Thank be you. another two hours with you, but unfortunately, I've got okay. people really waiting for me, and they've paid for for this. All right, Thank no problem at all. Coming. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thanks, Herman. Thank you, thank you so Bye-bye. much, and I appreciate the opportunity. And all right, and uh, let's hope that Monday is not a mess. Uh, Herman Mashaba, who is the president of Action SA, former mayor of Johannesburg, always good to have him on. Uh, Pumi, uh, giving him the gears, uh, but Ian, I mean, this is what. You know, we want politicians to be given the gears. They seem to have a very easy ride in some places in this country. You were telling us before Herman came on about this, um, this commissioner or the, or the, or the general who's in charge of the Overberg region. Uh, do you find that when, when you are helpful and your tone is friendly, and I'm sure this is how you start, you don't start off being combative. Do you get further with people, even if they're not necessarily competent, but by being polite? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, there are amazing cops, and unfortunately, a lot of them didn't get the training that they're meant to have, but they have the right heart. So I can honestly say, Joe, Gareth, I think 95% of police that we work with are fantastic. They really try hard. I think the danger that we have in some parts, especially where, where gangs are so prominent in, in parts of Gauteng, Western Cape, and parts of KZN, is that it's so deeply entrenched, it becomes dangerous to speak with certain people. So you don't always know who you can, can trust. Um, and they also get threatened a lot. Eh? They get intimidated. If, if they were to do the wrong arrest or something, they literally fear for their lives sometimes. And, and they get neutralized because they don't get the support that they that they need from senior ranks. But nevertheless... Um, I must be honest, we, we always, uh, you know, reach out and, uh, or they call us and they say, look, we need help on this. Please assist us with the following, et cetera. And, uh, and we work together really well. It's not like, um, these so-called leaders of SAPs actually have the real and deserved respect, um, uh, for people like, uh, or, or, or from the, the junior ranks in, in the police. In fact, you'd speak to middle ranking officers in, uh, in, let's call it the rougher neighborhoods in the country. And they'll tell you, look, I've been serving for 25 years. I'm still a warrant officer. I'm still a captain mm-hmm. because I, I didn't affiliate correctly in, in terms of politics. So I didn't, you know, look the other way when a, when a bribe was coming past. And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's the reality. Well, I mean, I think that, mm. that, 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 are CPF still a thing, Cameron? Sorry, Gareth. Are CPF still a thing? Yeah. 
community policing forums, are they? Because, I mean, I, I joked about the WhatsApp groups earlier. Haven't they taken the place of some of these? I mean, do people still have meetings? Um, unfortunately, look, in some parts, CPFs do amazing work. The original policy framework of CPFs at the police road, the idea was really for it to be only a forum where all the different entities that that can work together to combat or prevent crime get together and they and they work together from there. But unfortunately, in some places, it, it became a, a bit of a political body. So in the Western Cape, you often have a problem that CPFs are kind of more national government and ANC aligned and neighborhood watches are more provincial government and DA aligned. And that creates its own, you know, conflict dynamic because then they fight about who reports to who, who falls oh. under who. And I'm like, guys, we all, <laughs> we all have the same problem. What are you, what are you fighting about? Um, so, so that makes it challenging. So yeah, they do exist, but I'm, I don't think they're as effective as they should be. Um, they, uh, they were meant to be a bit of an oversight body as well but uh, unfortunately they don't always always get the the results that they were hoping for but nevertheless um we should try and be involved in cpfs and neighborhood watches alike the more of these initiatives we support the better and this is a thing you know i listen to the to some of the politics going on and 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 the fights and i saw a tweet by the premier in the western cape about something that was said about the vaccine yesterday and and that people should be held to account for believing that the vaccine doesn't work and you know what yeah i want to say to some of these politicians we've got more serious problems man uh, we've got 84 people well, being killed every day and you're worried about who decides to vax and who not Jeez, get your priorities straight. Half the country's in the dark for half of every day. Um, and that's just load shedding. That's without the cables being stolen. So yeah, get your priorities straight. You know, put, put pressure on the things that actually count and stop with this populist and personal. I love how you said it earlier, Gareth. You know, it's personal politics. It, it feels like it's more personality based than actually. And I don't know who to believe anymore because every story sounds mm. legitimate to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm so confused yeah. with everyone that I hear. <laughs> well, I mean, Ian's book is called We Will Not Shut Up. And um, I'll put a picture of that up again for people to see because you really shot to the headlines last year when you um, when you were, you know, very publicly standing up against these politicians and also corrupt p police officials. But maybe this is a great time for you to just tell us about exactly how our police have been captured by like a like a mafia. It's There's no other way to put it. Right. And and you can explain this in more detail than I can. Just exactly who is in charge where and how does it actually work? Who is the person who can make things happen in, for example, the Western Cape? Are there powerful police commissioners there? Are there politicians who are secretly controlling things behind the scenes? When you talk about the mafia, there needs to be like an organization or is it just disorganized anarchic chaos where whoever is the strongest at that time manages to win out? So, so no, I, I, in my opinion, um, it is incredibly well organized, and I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna run through it quickly with you. I'm just opening it here while we speak, but just as a, mm. as a brief introduction, um, uh, I'll send Ryan a picture if that's okay that he can share with you to share quickly, and I'm, I'm gonna speak from there. Um, but as a, as a very short introduction, Gareth, you know, uh, we, we literally have a case where uh, probably around. Between 2008 and 2012, the actual provincial commissioner in the Western Cape was involved with the smuggling of firearms and other things. 
um, mm-hmm. two, two gangsters. Now, the interesting thing is, um, okay, I've sent the picture and then Ryan can maybe share it. The interesting mm-hmm. thing ab- about this is that between 2000 and uh, it's about 2006, seven up until now, the police, just the police alone have lost or have supplied over 26,000 firearms to criminals in South Africa. So, in my opinion, the South African Police Service is the single biggest organized crime entity, well, actually, the second biggest, the ANC is the biggest, um, organized crime entity in, in the country. Now, how does this work? Well, for, for the ANC to get away with the, the massive levels of corruption that they have over the past 20 years, the first things they needed to do is grab hold of the criminal justice system. So, when Taylor says that they you know, fighting crime. They don't want the police to work because then they themselves will be caught out. So let's start in 2003. Jackie Celebi comes in as the first national commissioner with zero police experience. He ends up uh, disbanding the commandos and a lot of people have an image of commandos of white farmers that uh, got camos from the army, etc., etc. But in essence, it was a mix it was a fantastic force multiplier for the police, and it was something that could be used to stabilize areas of severe violence and specifically violent crime, especially in rural regions where police stations were, you know, uh, uh, not always resourced in terms of human resources as, as well. Um, then he disbanded the majority of specialized units in the police. He said that these tasks need to be completed on station level. Now, the first thing that happens, Gareth, Pumi, and Ian are all, uh, 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 let's say, murder and robbery detectives. And now we are going to work at station level. But the problem is that now I have to go and arrest my neighbor for being a gangster. Mm-hmm. So the next day he tells me, hey, but I know where your child goes to school. So it just ends yeah. up neutralizing the whole thing. It doesn't work. Okay, so that's Celebi. After Celebi, we've got Becky Taylor coming in as the National Commissioner. Now, now, Celebi survived long. You know, he went to jail. He died later. May he mm. not rest in peace. Destroyed the police. Then Taylor came in. And the interesting thing is if you read the training audit report from about 2012 of the police, and this is a police report, it tells you that Pele mm-hmm. pushed through thousands of new police recruits without them actually passing the necessary qualifications at the colleges. They even failed their remedials, but he still gave them uniforms in the hope that they'd have enough members for uh, the FIFA World Cup. Now, interestingly enough, that's when the whole scandal happened about the building tenders, the irregularities, when the public protector said something's wrong, he didn't follow the right procedure, he needs to go, and he was sacked by Zuma. Now, you need to know how bad you are when you're sacked by Zuma. Imagine that. Imagine, but I think in essence they were actually in cahoots. I don't. I think it was more, you know, um, taking one for the team and and carried on, and you'll get a nice position later, which he did. I mean, he became. uh, I think he was deputy minister of agriculture for a short while, and soon after that he became minister. But anyway, after Trele, we had Lucky Mkunazi come in for a very short moment. He's the current provincial commissioner of KZN. Now, Lucky had. All the right, yeah, he had all the right uh, qualifications on paper. I like him up to now. You know, unfortunately, there's a little bit of controversy about Louis Vuitton. I don't know what it is with cops and Louis Vuitton, senior cops, but they just can't keep their hands off Louis Vuitton gifts. 
Um, but then Lucky said to Parliament, look, I can't do my job because I keep on getting calls from senior politicians in the ANC telling me who to investigate. Then he was fired. Then after him came Ria Piecha. Now, Ria Piecha, after oh. two years, she gave herself a 10-year service medal. She gave herself the Amalgamation Medal. She gave herself the FIFA World Cup Medal. And the list goes on. So she was like um, a Gaddafi. You know? She was listed with medals and everything without any experience. <laughs> then she was right. sacked off Americana. And then uh, we had a, a short, short moment with General Motiba, which was a very honorable man. He was there for a short while. And I think the politics was just too much. I knew him for several years. And I must say, he, he always impressed me. And I've never heard his name said in, 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 in anything regarding corruption. He was there right. for a short, and then uh, maybe he was just there for too short a time. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So then, yeah, that's the problem, I guess. Um, oh. Then uh, Bahlani came in, and, and we all know what happened there. Unfortunately, again, corrupt. And then after that, uh, it was Kehla Setole that came in, and there we linked to the Grabber deal. We saw yesterday that Taylor is also being implicated with that. Fikile Mbalula was involved with the Grabber deal, so. The point I'm trying to make is like it's it's a gang of godfathers, you know, it's a gang of dons. And it's like with a cabinet reshuffle, the dons reign just continues because Tele knows everyone's dirt. He's involved in the taxi industry in KZN. He's involved mm-hmm. with all the different dons reigns or the other godfathers reign in the in the in the ANC. And uh, and I think he's a very, very powerful man. And and so his reign just continues because if anyone does anything to him, he can not only physically, but he can really do reputational harm to them and expose a lot of the very, very dirty secrets on the inside. And and I've just touched on some of it, but that's how. So, maybe he, so in other words, he's, he's wearing that hat with good reason. He's there. He's reminding everybody every time you see him on the news that he is yeah. the mafia don, that he is the yeah. guy who holds all the strings that he has dirt on all the other police uh, appointments and that he will use that if, if you fight with him. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable that this is happening in plain sight. Um, but what can you do? I mean, wh- what, what you can do, I suppose, Ian, and this is why we like having you on the show, is you will come in and you will tell us what ordinary people can do to get involved in their own communities. And this is what you're trying to get people to do across mm-hmm. the country. It doesn't have to just happen in your neighborhood. We need Ian Camerons all over South Africa, right? Yeah, I think, look, Gareth, I I think a lot of people, often people say, but aren't you scared for your safety and so on? But my opinion is the more of us speak up, if if you don't, if you're not walking around with secrets, the danger is far less for you. So speak out, speak up. The more of us do that, they can't arrest all of us, can they? Um, You know, this is my issue sometimes with big corporate South Africa. I say, guys, but you can literally numb the South African government. You can hurt the ANC so badly by saying, hey, should we take a tax holiday uh, for a little while? Uh, you know, because you keep pushing us to do the wrong things. But it's like there's just no backbone. There's, you know, there's no it works for them. The chaos in our governing system, the chaos with our government works for private sector. It yep. works for them. They are making money. You know, yeah. you just have to look at sense announcements and how much bonuses people are making and how much the executives are getting paid and what, then you know, then you know that it is not in their interest to change anything. You know, when you're, when you're paying 114 rand for six liters of 
Milk at Woolworths, and the CEO is earning millions in bonuses every year. It's not in their interest to look Absolutely. at the regulation of the cost of, you know. All right. Well, let's let's end on a on a high note because I mean this has been a very uh, depressing uh, way to look at uh, the start of of this year, and really we're only in in March already, and the twentieth of March is now going to be a national shutdown supposedly. Yes, I, I was just getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, why <laughs> did you remind me? It's only March. You, you two have said that uh, that you're hoping that the EFF is not going to really achieve anything on Monday, that it'll be a bit of a damp squib. I certainly hope you're right. And I think just judging by the comments, that's how most people are feeling in terms of what they hope Monday will bring. But either way, look after yourselves. And Ian, thank you for checking in with us again. It's always good to see you. I encourage anybody who has not to check out your book. Um, here is Ian's book. It's called We Will Not Shut Up. And um, I'm very glad that you are not shutting up. Let's all take so, a leaf yeah. out of that book. Yeah, the, you know, if anything, Ian reminds us that there, there's more of it of us than there is of them. And it's important mm-hmm. for us to be part of the, you know, stand up, stand up for ourselves, stand up for our communities, because there is more of us. There is more of us. Right. There will always be more of us than there is of them. We just need to stand up. Excellent. Everybody be good, and we will see you tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. Ian, thank you. Pumi, thank you, and cheers, everybody. Have an awesome Thursday. Bye-bye.